morning again and welcome to First Methodist Mansfield. My name is David and I serve as the senior pastor here and I want to welcome you especially if you're a first time guest with us. If you are here for the very first time we're delighted to have you. We'd love to help and serve you in any way that we can. If you have any questions about the life of our church we'd love for you to stop by our connecting point which is straight out the back. Uh, at the conclusion of the service. A couple of housekeeping things I want to cover with you. You may have wondered, well, you got a couple things you're wondering about. You're wondering about these rubber bands. I'll tell you about those in a, in a little bit. But these shirts that you see, this is our theme for this fall. And I know the fall is a long way off, and I don't want you to have to rush through the summer. you still got vacation coming. That's cool. But this fall, we're going to be inviting you into a deeper life with God. And we're going to do that in two things this fall. The first is a conference that's going to be on September 11th and 12th, the Good and Beautiful Conference. Uh, Dr. James Ryan Smith is going to be here for that. And I'm not going to talk too much about that except to say that I am absolutely convinced this is a life-changing opportunity and it is well worth your time. It's 15 bucks. Would love for you to be with us uh, on September 11th and 12th. You can register by going to firstmethodistmansfield.org forward slash good and beautiful or go straight out into the atrium. There's, some pl there's places out there where you can register for that conference. And then we're going to follow that with a series called Deeper that's also going to have a small group component. You'll hear more about that uh, coming up as we, as we move closer to the fall. But that's what these shirts are about is reminding you that that's where we're going this fall. We want to invite our entire congregation into a deeper life with God. The second thing I want to lift up to you today is that this uh, tonight starts United Mission Week for our junior high and high school students. So we have about 250 uh, junior high, uh, high school uh, and adults who are going to be in service this week, not only in our local community, but also surrounding communities. Our high school students uh, will be sleeping here at the church, so by Thursday, everything's going to smell horrible. But it's going to be an amazing, amazing week. They'll be doing worship tonight in the chapel on Thursday night, they have a community-wide worship service in here. So if you want to come on Thursday night and be with them as they wrap up that week, that'll be here uh, on Thursday night. But what I want you to do, here's what I want to invite you to do. I spent the first few years of my ministry working as a, as a youth pastor. And what I recognized was that my greatest opportunity to, uh, to, to influence and shape the lives of my students was when they were serving. That was the time when there was this sensitivity that they had that they didn't have in other times of the year. And so in this week, we not only want to pray that God blesses our community and blesses the organizations that they're going to work with and the people who receive their acts of service, but I want to invite you to pray for these kids. 
Because this week, in the course of these few days, some of them are going to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. Because of the way in which the Spirit moves in the lives of people when they serve. And so I want you to pray for these kids that God would move, that God's Spirit would be present, and that some of them would have the courage to say yes, to to understand maybe for the first time that this is what their life is really about. It's not about them. It's not about whatever they may dream of one day becoming. It's about becoming a a servant of Jesus. And so would you join me now? Let's just pray for our kids. And would you join me this week as we continue to do that? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we ask your blessing over this this great week of service. We ask your blessing, Lord, over every act of service, everything that will be shared, the the smiles, the love, the, the expressions of that love that we do in tangible ways. We pray that each recipient of that would be blessed in an incredible way. But we also, Lord, pray for each and every kid. For each and every student as they come, that, that you would be at work in their life and that you would give them an openness, Lord, ears to hear and eyes to see your life and the life that you are inviting them to. For some of them, Lord, this, this may just be a time of recommitment. For some, it may be the very first time that they say yes, but we pray, Lord, that you would move in the lives of our students in a mighty way in this week. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so you got a rubber band when you came in. If you'll just stick that on your wrist. You need that on your wrist. And I'll just tell you right now, this is not so you can pop yourself whenever you say something bad. Okay, that's, a, that's another sermon. That's not the one I'm sharing this morning. But just put that away. We'll come back to that in just a moment. We are beginning a brand new series called Faith in Hard Times. And I want to frame it for you in this way. I think we all kind of intellectually understand that hard times are a possibility for our life, that, that all of us at some point go through a season, a moment, a circumstance that we would describe as a hard time in our life. And I know for some of you here today, that is today. That is exactly where you are in your life. And so you're a little bit freaked out by the coincidence right now. You're like, whoa, this, ser- this series is just, I'm not checking your email or stalking you on Facebook, okay? I just know that hard times is a part of all of our lives. But I know there's other people who are here today, and you're thinking, yeah, you know, I sort of understand that that's a possibility, you know, the, the business that's going well could have a bad season, or the marriage that's going great, I guess there could be a problem. But you're looking at it, and you're thinking, you know what, things are pretty good right now. Marriage is good, the kids are good, just got back from vacation, maybe going in a few weeks, and you're thinking, things are great, I bet I can take the next five weeks off. I mean, I don't, I, I, everything is just going so well. And so for all of us, I want us to rally around a very simple idea as we go through this series. If you would repeat after me, this is the interactive portion of the sermon, okay? I may not need this today, but I will need this someday. Okay, we'll do it one more time. I may not need this today, but I will need this someday. So if your life today is sunshine and roses, good for you. That's awesome. That is so, so great. But here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to do your future self a favor. I want to invite you to lock into this series. I want to invite you to take some notes, to write some things down. I want to invite you to be here each and every week. If you're out of town, watch it online because you will come to a place in your life where you will need some of the things that we're going to talk about in this series. And do your future self the favor 
of locking in and grabbing hold of what God has for you in this series so that when you walk through that hard time that we all know is a part of our life, we all know they're coming at some point, you will have the resources that you need to attack that situation in the way that God would want you to. So that's the invitation of this series. Now we're going to be in the book of Habakkuk. Now, some of you are thinking, that's in the Bible? Yes, it's in the Bible, the book of Habakkuk. If you have your Bible and you need some help finding it, it's right after the book of Nahum. I thought that was funny. I, I, it, let, let me give you a, a little bit more direction. It's in the Old Testament. If you get to Psalms or Ezekiel or Job or any of those, keep turning. If you want to use the, the, the Bible that's in the pew in front of you, it's on page 871. If you want to look at the table of contents in the front of your Bible, don't feel guilty. No one in here knows where the book of Habakkuk is, so that's okay. Don't, don't, don't feel guilty about that. But that's where we're going to be. We're going to look at the prophet Habakkuk, and let me tell you a little bit about his life and why we're looking at this book as we, as we talk about faith in hard times. So let me just situate Habakkuk's story. You may remember last series we talked about King David. That's a name that most of us are familiar with from the Bible. He was a king over Israel. He was the king that, that most people look back on and thought, well, you know, he was the best king that Israel ever had. But David's son Solomon actually reigned during the height of Israel's power. And, and, and that happened in part because Solomon was blessed with wisdom but also because Solomon was mentored by his father David to become a good king. But Solomon didn't practice that same thing with his own son Rehoboam. And so when Rehoboam came to reign as the fourth king of Israel, things didn't go so well. They went so poorly that the kingdom of Israel actually split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, because of this split, uh, one of the side effects of that was that Israel was weakened, particularly in terms of its military power, its ability to protect itself from foreign invaders. And so in the 8th century BC, the northern kingdom fell to the Assyrians. And in the 6th century BC, about 200 years later, the southern kingdom of Judah fell to the Babylonians. Now, so 8th century, 6th century, Habakkuk lived right here. He lived right in the middle in the southern kingdom of Judah. So here's what you need to know about Habakkuk's life. He lived with this awareness of what had happened to the northern neighbors of the kingdom of Judah. He knew about the vulnerability that the southern kingdom had because of what had happened in the north. And Habakkuk also lived during a time when those who were in power were very corrupt in the southern kingdom. So Habakkuk, a man of God, a prophet, looked at the world around him and thought, this isn't how the world should be. This isn't how our life is supposed to be. He understood that as a Jew, as a, as a part of Israel, that they had come to this land because God had led them there, that God had given, him, given them this land for the sake of living out as God's people, living in a particular way uh, directed by God so that through them all the peoples of the world should be blessed. Habakkuk was convinced that to be a part of this nation meant that they had special responsibility, that they were supposed to live in a certain way. But every day he woke up, all he had to do was look around him and go, that's not happening. 
There is this great power to the north that threatens us every single day. There are the people who have powerful positions in the kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah, and rather than working for justice and rather than working for what is right, they continue to work in such a way that they help the powerful at the expense of the powerless. And so Habakkuk looked around at the vulnerability that the southern kingdom had. He looked at the injustice that was all around him. And he cried out to God because as he looked at the world, he said, this isn't how the world should be. This isn't how we were meant to live. Now, before I read to you what Habakkuk says to God, the complaint that Habakkuk raises to God, I want you to think about your own experience for just a moment. I want you to think about the last time that you were in a conversation with a group of people. Let's say there's four or five people. Maybe this happened at the last family dinner gathering. I don't know. You're having a discussion about a topic. And in the, con- and in the course of that conversation, a couple of people in the conversation got a little bit heated. You know what I'm talking about? You're just talking about something. It's an issue. It's one of those things that maybe you shouldn't have been talking about, but you are talking about. And it's just kind of a discussion until a couple people in the conversation get a little bit more intense. You know what I'm talking about? I want you to think about that experience that you've had and that maybe draw that you've had in your, in your own heart, in your own mind in that moment to just kind of back away a little bit. Like, this just got a little bit awkward, right? Because these other two people are they're being a little bit intense with this. Maybe you're thinking in the back of your head, I'm not sure they should be talking to each other this way. This is not going to end well. Have we all had an experience like that? I want you to remember that. I want you to think about that because as you hear these words from Habakkuk and the way in which he expresses himself to God, my guess is that some of you are going to have that similar feeling. You're going to back up a little bit and go, whoa, this guy's a little bit intense. Habakkuk chapter 1 Verses 2 through 4, this is Habakkuk's complaint against God. Here's what he says. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. And therefore the law, remember the law is what was supposed to guide the people. The law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Now did you hear it? (laughs) Did you catch that? Did you find yourself going, whoa, whoa? I mean, this is not just some regular prayer like, God, can we have sunshine tomorrow? I mean, this guy is, is serious. If you didn't hear it, let me just read it to you in a different translation. This is from the, the Message Bible. God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to the rescue? Why do you force me to look at evil, stare trouble in the face day after day? Anarchy and violence break out. Quarrels and fights are all over the place. Law and order have fallen to pieces, and justice is a joke. Did you hear it? You find yourself, a, ooh, that's a little intense. This is some strong language that Habakkuk is lifting up to God. In fact, some of you may be thinking to yourself, can you really talk to God that way? Like, is this a smart idea? 
to, to be addressing God in this way? Can you really talk to God that way? I mean, we've all joked about this. You hear someone say something that's just a little bit inappropriate, or maybe you think a little bit disrespectful, and you find yourself just kind of moving to the side, just in case that lightning bolt is not quite as precise as God wants it to be, and there's some collateral damage, right? I mean, can you really talk to God that way? I think it's a great question. It's a great question, in part because it raises another, another question for us. How do we really think about faith? How do we really think about faith? Particularly as we think about those hard times, whether you are smack dab in the middle of that hard time right now or it's something that's coming down the road for you. What does it mean to have faith in a hard time? And what is faith? Well, as a pastor, I've had a lot of time to think about that question. What is faith? I've had a lot of time to talk with people about that question of what is faith and how does faith work in your life. I've had a lot of time to listen to people's perspective on faith and the way in which they verbalize their own understanding of what does it mean to have faith in God, not only in the times when everything is going great, it's sunshine and roses, but also in those moments of life where nothing is going right and everything seems to be heading in the wrong direction. What does it mean to have faith? And as I've listened and thought about it in my own life, I've come to this understanding that people talk about faith in really two different ways. And I'm going to do my best to explain this, this to you. If I mess it up, if you totally miss it, Pastor David at fmcm.org. Just send me an email tomorrow. I don't have time to do it more than once, but I'm going to do my best to explain this to you. Here's the first way of thinking about faith. The first way of thinking about faith is to think of faith as essentially the equivalent of belief. In other words, in this mode of thinking, these words are really interchangeable. Faith equals belief. And the people who talk about faith this way, the people who have this understanding of faith, they would describe their faith as really about a list of things that they believe to be true and things that they believe are not true. That's essentially how they think about faith. And as they go through their daily life, they engage the world in different circumstances of life, and they filter that through the lists that they have of the things that they believe to be true and the things that they believe are not true. Now, this kind of faith grows as you receive more answers in your life. As you study the scriptures and grow in your understanding of God and those things that you believe, you get to add those things to your lists, right? These are the things that I believe are true, and these are the things that I believe are not true. And when you have this mode of thinking about faith, that's how your faith grows. When you get more answers, you get more clarity, so that as you live in the world every single day, you have a clear understanding of, of how you live. And this is not bad necessarily. This is having convictions in your life, having these convictions guide you in your life. But here's what happens if this is your notion of faith, if faith is essentially belief. You find yourself in a situation where you're trying to filter your experience to the things that you believe are true and the things that you believe are not true, and all of a sudden you don't have an answer. You ever had an experience like that? Something happens in your life that just doesn't make sense, and you don't know where to turn. So in this mode of thinking, when faith equals belief, and the things that you believe to be true or, or not true, it grows when you have answers, but it's often stifled or uncomfortable when you have questions. And you don't know how this situation or circumstance fits 
within your mode of belief, your understanding of what is true and what is not true. Let me, let me see if I can describe to you the other way of thinking about faith. The other way of thinking about faith would be, think of, be, be to think of faith as a tension between trust and fear. Now, in this way of thinking, beliefs still guide your life every single day. I'm going to say that again just to make sure you don't misunderstand this. Beliefs are still the core of who you are. They're the convictions that guide you every single day. But the person who understands faith as a dynamic tension between trust and fear expects that as they live their life every single day, they will encounter things on a consistent basis that challenge what they believe. And when those moments happen, the person who sees faith in this way sees that moment of challenge as an opportunity to live in trust in spite of what they may fear. Now, when you understand faith this way, how does faith grow? Faith grows when you experience questions. Because every question, every challenge, every circumstance like that gives you an opportunity to live with trust in the one in whom you believe, despite the fears and the worries and the circumstances that may face you in that moment of life. Now, I hope you understood that. If you didn't, you got my email address. You can just send me an email tomorrow. But let me tell you why it's important. This part's really easy to understand. You won't miss this. Hard times will always create hard questions. Hard times will always create hard questions. For Habakkuk, living in the 7th century, understanding the vulnerability of his nation, and looking around at the injustices that, that abound all around him, for Habakkuk, the question was this, how can a God who is all about justice allow this injustice to continue? How come God hasn't just swooped in and fixed all this stuff? How can you, God, who claims to be a God of justice, how can you allow this injustice to continue? Now, in your hard time, your question may be different, but no less difficult. When you hear the word cancer, when you lose a loved one, when your child is wandering from the path that you believe is the path to the best life, when, when the doctor tells you that the, that the illness that you are dealing with right now is not going to get better, it's just going to be there for the rest of your life, what kind of questions does that stir up within you? Does God love me? Does God really care? Does God know what I'm going through? Why hasn't this gotten better? Why hasn't he or she gotten better? We've prayed for healing. We've prayed for restoration. And it just isn't moving in the direction that we want. God, do you care? God, do you hear? God, are you there? Why haven't you responded in the way that, you may, that we may want you to? God, do you really, really care about me. Hard times will always create hard questions, which is why you have a rubber band today, right? Because when I think about faith, I think faith is kind of like love. And I think faith and love are both kind of like a muscle, a muscle that has the ability to grow and expand, but only when that muscle is stretched beyond its current capacity. 
Let me illustrate for you this way. I did uh, the last session of pre-marriage counseling for a couple whose wedding I'm doing in a few weeks, and they are so cute. I mean, they're just so cute as they talk about their new life together, you know, at 20 years old, having no idea what's in store for them. I mean, it's just so cute. It is so funny. If you could be there, you would love it. You know, you'd hear some of the things that they would say, and you'd just, you'd just laugh internally, you know, because they're just so stinking naive, right? That's just where they are at, the, at that point in their life. And I remember what that was like. I mean, I got married when I was 23, my wife was 22, and we thought we knew everything. And we knew, but, but somehow we sort of knew we knew nothing. We knew that things were going to change. We knew that life was going to change. We knew that we were going to grow. But I got to tell you, on that day when I stood there at, at that altar and I waited for those doors to open and I saw her come in and I said, I, I said, you know, I did everything the pastor told me to do. I repeated, I could not have imagined loving her any more than I did that day. I mean, my heart was full, and so when I look at the, the love that we had that day, I'm just like, man, it's, it, it, was, it was just so intense. I loved her so much. I was ready to run through a wall to, to make her my wife. I, did, I was so excited about that, and she was too. We were, which is the surprising part, we, we were just, you know, <laughs> that's where we were in our life at that point. We couldn't have imagined loving each other more than we did that day, and almost 15 years later, you know, life's changed dramatically. We've welcomed two kids into the world. We, we've lived in two communities. Our careers have taken different paths, paths that we, neither one of us really expected. But here we are today. There have been wonderful, amazing, great moments that we have walked through over the course of the last 15 years. And there have been some other moments, right? There have been some moments that have been hard and challenging. We've, and in the course of that process, as We've been challenged and we've been stretched. Guess what? That love has grown. And I love that woman so much more today than I did on the day that we married. And I know that in the years to come, as, as, as good times continue and, and yes and challenging, that that, that love's going to grow even, even more. Because love is like a muscle. It has the capacity to grow, but only when it's stretched beyond its current capacity. And faith is the same way. Faith has the capacity to grow, but only when that faith is stretched. Now, let me tell you why you need to know that. Because you're going to come to a moment in your life that's going to be hard. And that hard moment in your life is going to create a very hard and difficult question for you. And it may be a question that has a quick answer. Or it may be a question that is never answered. And you will have a decision to make. You can either see that question, that challenge that doubt, that worry, that fear, you can see that as the adversary to your faith or you can see it as the avenue through which your faith will be stretched and your faith will grow. And your response to that, I would suggest to you, will determine what happens to you in the course of that hard time. You will come out on the other end of that, strengthened, encouraged, stretched, and having grown. See, I knew that was going to happen. It was going to ruin 
That's why I have more rubber bands. Stretch to a place that you never thought that you could be. Or you may come out on the other end of that hard time very stifled and very discouraged because you saw that challenge not as an avenue to growth, but you saw it as an adversary to your faith. That's one scenario that may happen to you. Let me tell you what's just as likely. Someone that you love, someone that you love so dearly is going to go through a hard time in their life, a hard time that creates a question for them in their life. And because they know that you love them and you care for them, they're going to come to you. And I'm not going to be there. You're going to have no other professional help. And they're going to look to you for wisdom and encouragement and advice. And you're going to have the opportunity to either invite them to see that as an adversary to their faith or an avenue by which their faith might grow. It's your decision, how you see faith, how you understand faith, how you understand challenging and hard times in your life. They're either something that is an adversary to faith or an avenue through which faith grows as you are stretched beyond your current capacity and your faith grows to a place that you never thought that it could go. Let me close by answering this question. Can you really talk to God that way? (laughs) The answer is yes. God is big enough. God is big enough for our questions. God is big enough for our concerns. When we cry out to God in our suffering and pain, hear this very carefully, that in itself is an act of faith. When we cry out to God in our suffering and our pain, that within itself is an act of faith. So if today life is sunshine and roses, just take the rubber band home. Don't break it like I did. Take the rubber band home and remember that there may be a moment in your life where you are going to be stretched and that's okay because in the process your faith is going to grow. But if you're right there in the middle of it today, this is the question I want you to wrestle with. What do you need to tell God today? What do you need to say to him? What do you need to express to him? In what way do you need to cry out to him in whatever situation and whatever circumstance you may be facing today? God is big enough for those questions. God is big enough for that doubt. God is big enough for that concern. And in that moment that you may be walking through, it's it's not an enemy. It's an avenue through which your faith might grow. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today we pray for one another, knowing that the person sitting next to us may be at a good and wonderful time, but maybe they're going through a really, really hard time. And maybe, Lord, in these last few minutes, you you have spoken a word of hope into their life. And if that be the case, Lord, I just pray that you would give us all a sensitivity to that, that maybe we might come alongside and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Remind us, God, that you are not only the God of the great and the wonderful and rosy and beautiful times in our life, you're also the God of those moments that don't go the way that we want. 
and remind us to God that on the other side of those experiences, you will still be God and we will still belong to you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.